0: To start by telling a bit, a bit of a, a bit of sight into our family households. Um, each year or a lot of years, me and Joe with the kids go on holiday and love going on holiday. Does anyone here like going on holiday? Love going on holiday, however, the, the most difficult part of our holiday is always seems to be getting ready for it, packing for our holiday, and and inevitably our car ends up looking something like that when we're ready kids faces squished up against the window bags all over them and and every time we go away you know um, what will happen is joe will come down the stairs usually with her little suitcase and a bible in the other hand and uh, she'll write that's this is my stuff and i'll come down the staircase with about two big suitcases three large bags a backpack and a couple of carrier bags and and joe will start rooting through my stuff which irritates me no end, and uh, she'll open up my biggest suitcase, and she'll turn to me and, with a baffled look on her face, and she'll say, Kev, what, why do you have 17 books in your big suitcase? and 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 i'll think what a silly question because obviously because i don't know what mood i'm going to be in for the three nights that we're away and hey one night i don't know i might want to read a biography i might want to read about eschatology i might want to read about this and so i might want to read a john grisham and um you know the problem is is that i find it really difficult to travel light can anyone relate with me or am I by myself, you can relate with me, thank you, thank you, you're making me feel a lot better, but you see, all this stuff that I pack, it actually ends up slowing me down, it slows the whole family down really, it costs us more money in terms of petrol, um, it makes everyone really uncomfortable on the journey, um, Joe's really encouraging me, I've never heard her so vocal, um, But, you know, I find it really hard. Maybe you guys could help me. Maybe you guys could just encourage me. You could say to me, Kev, let go of some of your baggage. The journey will be far easier, Kev. (laughs) So so I've called this message, Let Go of Baggage. That's what I want to talk about this afternoon. Turn with me to to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter nine, verse one. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were sick. Wow, that sounds exactly like the mission that God's given us here in Swinton. That sounds like the plan and purpose of God that is over our lives right now and over this community. And then Jesus goes on, he says in verse three, he told them, take nothing for the journey. No, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. I wish that I would read this scripture <laughs> um, every time I pack to go on holiday. But Jesus says, you know, if you're going to go about my mission, if you're going to accomplish great things with your life, if you're going to go places as a community, take nothing with you. Let go of your baggage. Um, turn to me now to, um, to Hebrews 12 and verse 1. And the writer of the Hebrews says this, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Um, the Good News translation puts it this way. It says, Let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way. So anything that might get in the way of my relationship with God, anything that might hinder the purpose of God in my life, let, let us get rid of that. Let's be ruthless in dealing with, with those things. The Amplified Version says, um, stripping off every unnecessary weight. Um, uh, another translation says, we must get rid of everything that slows us down. Um, you know, um, this is the Great Manchester Run today. Uh, that's where by T'Nash and Bernadette aren't with us. They're actually probably running right at this very point, so probably in need of some of our prayers. But, you know, we've all got a race to run, a spiritual race to run. We're all, wherever we're at, you're in the middle of a race right now, you know, a middle of a race. And we don't want to be slowed down by anything. Can you imagine Tanash and Bernadette turning up to the great Manchester run with a great big backpack with weights, you know, in the, on their back? what would you say to them? You'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you're going to kill yourself. It's, you know, it's just, you're making it really, really hard work for yourself. It could be so much easier um, to just take the backpack off, take your weights off, and let go of that baggage which hinders you. And and um, as I was preparing for this message, you know, often we can see baggage that hinders other people really well, can't we? You know, like, if sometimes I can, you know, oh, he's carrying that baggage, and she's carrying that attitude, and, let, you know, I need to help him deal with that baggage, and I need to help her deal with our baggage, and my whole life can be about helping other people let down their baggage. But the problem is, you know, like when Jesus said jesus said before you take the speck out of someone else's eye take the plank <laughs> the, the, the the huge bit of wood sticking out of of, of, of our own eye in and um and, and i don't know if you can relate but i find it a lot more difficult to see the baggage that might be hindering me in my life um and in my walk with god and and so i want to i want to be want to be really honest with you you know um like um Yesterday, um, me, and, me and Joe had a couple of disagreements. And anyone, anyone married here? Stick up your hand if you're married. Any, anyone have disagreements with your husband or wife? Just occasionally? Uh, just occasionally, thank you. I'm not the only person um, in that vote. And, and at the time, you know, at the time, I felt so wronged. I was convinced that I was 100% right and that I was the aggrieved party, you know? And... Um, and, and I went to God and, and I was like, God, you know, I know that God is the God who upholds the righteous um, and that justice wins through. And I was totally convinced that God was going to meet with Joe and show her how I was totally right and she was totally wrong. And so I fought my case I, with Joe. I retreated to my study to continue working on my preach because I am very spiritual. And to continue working on my preach of let go of baggage. And I'm going to tell all the church about how they can let go of their baggage. And, um, and, and, and then I just felt God say to me, Kev, you can't preach on something that you're not putting into practice in your own life. Uh, my response, fine, God, I'll preach on something else then. Um, <laughs> uh, good news is we've made up and, you know, um, and, and God helped me to see that actually he's, he's given me a beautiful, amazing wife to help me see how unreasonable I can be sometimes. But you know, you understand what I'd done in that moment, what I'd done in that moment is I thought I'd been wrong. So what I did is I took offence. Um, and you know, in that in, by the way, no one can give you offence. It's something that we choose to take. And I'd taken offence, and I didn't even realise I'd taken offence, but I'd taken offence, I'd taken some baggage, I'd taken some things that didn't belong on me, and that was ultimately going to hinder me, it was going to weigh me down, and it was going to stop me um, and, and slow down my walk with God. And now. <laughs> I never, I don't know about you, but I never think to myself ever consciously, like, oh, I know what I'm going to do today. I'm going I'm to take up some baggage and some stuff that's going to hinder me and weigh me down. Does anyone ever think that? No, <laughs> neither do I. Um, but, you know, the enemy... the the enemy can't do anything about our salvation. You know, there's nothing he can do about all that Jesus has done for us. There's nothing he can do to stop us coming into his kingdom. There's nothing he can do to stop us walking with Jesus. Um, but if we allow him, he can end up weighing us down with baggage that doesn't actually belong with us. to, to us. And he can end up rendering us, you know, um, taking away our effectiveness for him in mission. And, you know, anything that comes above God in our lives becomes baggage. You know, it could be an unhealthy relationship that that God's told you, actually, this relationship isn't good for you right now. Um, The minute God says that, the minute you realise that, it becomes baggage. Um, Insecurity, low self-esteem, maybe those old habits, that secret sin that you always seem to turn to when you're under pressure. Disappointments, life hasn't turned out the way you wanted it to. Um, maybe it's anxiety for you. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety onto him for he cares for you. In other words, let go of your baggage. Attitudes that don't belong on you. Grumpiness, bad-temperedness, lack of discipline. Let go of that baggage. Old, wor- <laughs> old hurts and wounds that you haven't dealt with let go of baggage that's why Jesus says forgive one another let go of your baggage you know that's why Jesus said seek first my kingdom now it's not that Jesus was wanting to make it really difficult for us but I think Jesus is like no I want you to live this life as my child as my son as my daughter and I don't want anything getting in the way I want to help you deal with that baggage you see the effects of baggage is this is is I'm really, really bad at keeping up with my paperwork. And, um, and, and what can happen is if you go into my study, what can happen is the pile on my desk of my paperwork um, can grow and grow and grow. And sometimes I start looking at it and I think, I just can't deal with this. So I'm just going to close my eyes and hope it goes away. And it ends up growing from my desk to fill in my whole study. And sometimes it ends up even coming out into the hallway. Um, and, and, but, but, you know, all this undealt with stuff Um, It it actually ends up really affecting me because the minute I go into my study to spend time with God, suddenly I'm like, I just see all this mess around me and I see all this paperwork and all this mess. And I just find it hard to see past that. Um, I I find it, I I start to feel overwhelmed. I start to find it difficult to focus on what I'm called to do. And that's exactly how baggage affects us. So Jesus is here. And, and he's here to help us to let go of that which hinders us. Amen? Great. So turn to me now to, to 1 Samuel, chapter 17. You know, um, God once called a man called David. And, uh, and he called it an ordinary man, just like you, just like me. And, uh, and he placed a call in on his life to do great things. And um, just like he's placed a call in on this community to do great things. And, um, and at the moment, just before David was about to face Goliath, this massive giant um, opposing the purpose of God, what giants are in your life? What things are opposing the purpose of God in your lives? Uh, what battles are you facing? And, and it says this 1 Samuel 17, verse 22. Um, I'm going to read from the uh, New American Standard Version. And it says, And David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line. So David had baggage. <laughs> um, what we read in the physical, by the way, in the Old Testament, um, we, can, we can interpret spiritually. There's lessons for us spiritually in, for us in the New Covenant. Um, David physically left his baggage with the baggage keeper. And then he was able to run to the battle line. Um, you know, <clears throat> in the New Covenant, the baggage keeper is Jesus. That Jesus is here. And he invites us to come close. And he says, I am the baggage keeper. Um, just like David left his things with the keeper of baggage, and that freedom that he could run out and meet Goliath, and defeat Goliath, and chop Goliath's head off. <clears throat> so Jesus invites us to come to him. This is what he says in Matthew 11:28. He says, "Come to me. Come to me." What an invitation. "Come to me," says Jesus. "All of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads." Maybe you're tired this afternoon. Maybe you're carrying a heavy load this afternoon maybe there's all sorts of things going on in your life and Jesus says come to me here in this moment come to me there's an invitation come to me all of you who are tired from carrying heavy loads and I will give you my rest um you know when you go to an airport and uh, and you can check in your baggage can't you and you can check in your baggage and 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 that's what Jesus does. He invites us to check in all of our baggage with Him. Um, not not that when we, you know, not that at a later point, maybe a, a, the next stop, at our, a, the next stop in our journey, that we collect our baggage again. No, Jesus says, "Give me your baggage and leave it with me at the foot of my cross." <clears throat> you know, that's that's the deal that God offers us this afternoon he's like I tell you what you give me your baggage you give me all of your stuff you give me all that stuff that's overwhelming you that you can't deal with maybe all that stuff that you've tried dealing with failed at or 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 can't get over you give that all to me and then I'll give you myself (laughs) I'll give you you know I'll take your anxiety and I'll give you my peace um I'll take your depression and I'll give you my joy um, I'll take your lack and I'll give you my fullness. Um, it sounds like a really, really good deal to me. And you know, guys, that's the gospel. Um, that is the gospel. But you know, in Judges, in Judges we read about the Israelites. And, and in Judges we read that there's like this endless cycle of, of messing of God's people messing up and going back to their old ways. And then coming to their senses and saying, God, no! what have I done? I've made so many mistakes. And they get back right with God. They recommit their lives to God. Only then for a few weeks later to go back to their old lives. Recommitting ourselves back to their old lives. Recommitting ourselves. And we see this endless cycle. And, and the problem was is that actually they never fully let go of their old lives, of their old way of life. And, and when I first became a Christian, for the first couple of years, I found that I loved Jesus. Um, and, and I wanted Jesus and I wanted his kingdom. But, but I still had these addictions and these habits and these thought patterns and ways of thinking in my life. That, that I always seemed to end up reverting to. And I might have even had two or three weeks or even two or three months of freedom. And then I'd always end up going back to that day. And I'd read the book of Judges and I'd use it as a way of justifying why I, I, I actually couldn't get out of these, this cycle of living. And um, and then I remember God speaking to me once and he said, no, no Kev, you've got it all wrong because it, the book of Judges isn't there so that... It can make you feel better about your life. The book of Judges is there because we can learn lessons from that. It's like because we're following Jesus, because we've got his spirit, because God dealt with our old life, it means that we're delivered. We're set free from that old way of life um, that we read about in Judges. See, let me tell you how God deals with our baggage. Turn with me to Romans eight. Uh, sorry, Romans 6 and verse 8. See, this is really, really good news, guys. If this excites anyone, feel free just to, to say something out loud, you know. Um, in Romans 6, verse 8, it says, Now, if we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. Now, that is amazing news, guys. Amazing news. that Did you know your old way of life... You know, your old way of always trying to come up to God's standard and forever falling short. That old pattern of thinking, that old behaviour, that old attitude. Do you know, Jesus is like, I'm not just going to patch you up. Jesus is like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, actually, you are going to die. And, and so that's why our old way of life, Jesus is like, the way I'm going to deal with it is actually when I die on the cross... You are going to die with me. So 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung on the cross, you were hanging on the cross with Jesus. When the nails went into Jesus' hands, the nails were going into the old um, the old Irene Bennett's hands. You know, the old Esther Johnson's hands. You were being crucified with Jesus. You were dying with him. So that when Jesus gets raised to life, you get raised to life with him. Um, you see... One of my favourite films is a film called Goodfellas. Anyone seen that? Um, I wouldn't particularly recommend it, but it's it's a gangster movie and it's about the mafia. And there's this guy called Henry Hill, and and Henry Hill is a top mafia boss. Okay, top mafia boss. And and in the end, the police get him, and he goes to court, and he ends up turning um, on on all the mafia, so he can end up, you know, like staying out of prison. And, um, and you see at the end of the film, Henry Hill, this top mafia godfather, this top mafia boss. And he comes out of his house. And you can just see that all is not well with Henry Hill. You know, he, he glances under his car to just check there's not a bomb under the car. He looks behind him. He's nervous. He's afraid that his past life is going to catch up with him. You see, this is a man, this is a man who is trying to live a different life. But deep down, he's the same old Henry Hill. You know, that's not, that's not the plan that God has for us. You know, see what Jesus says. Jesus said, no, I'm not just going to patch you up so that you, know, so that you can try and live this Christian life but forever fall short. No, Jesus is like, I'm going to deal with this finally. I'm going to kill Kevin. <laughs> I'm gonna, Kevin Hardwich, you know, I'm going to kill him. Um, and, and I died with Jesus. And, and that's why it says... You know, it says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a brand new person. On 25th of June, 2002, a brand new person was born into this world. Um, his name's Kevin Hardwich and he's just here. Um, do you understand? A brand new person. The old life is gone and the new has begun. Um, and... And, you know, like, I remember, you know, I told you that for the first couple of years of being a Christian, I was really struggling to get out of a certain pattern of living. And, and I remember Judah, I, I used to lead the church here in Salford, and I remember once he said to me, Kev, you know, have you, have you looked at your family tree? And, and I was like, looked at my family tree? And, and, and for me, I was like, like, like my mum's um, one of 12. Um, she's got like six brothers, six sisters. There, there, a lot of them live in London. And literally, there's a lot of them, are, uh, there's prostitution. There, there, a lot of them are in prison. Um, a lot of them are drug dealers. There's just, there's, my family's just a complete mess. Like addictions and mental illness and, and all that sort of stuff just runs in my family. And uh, criminality and violence runs in my family. And, and, uh, and, and I remember saying, Judah you like, look at my family tree, you're not helping me. And, and he said to me, no, Kev, no, have a look, have a look in this Bible and, and, and have a look at guys like Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and David and, and Jesus and, and all that. Did you know that's your new family tree? And I had a revelation, my eyes were opened and I thought, wow, God, I don't need to live with this fear that I'm going to have a nervous breakdown like my mum did. And I don't need to live with this fear that, I'll never be able to break free of these addictions because all that stuff is cut off. Because all that stuff was over the old Kevin Hardwich and the old Kevin Hardwich is now dead. You understand all those curses, all those generational things, all those things I couldn't break free from belong now to a different person who is now dead. Does that excite anyone? (laughs) You know, and that means that that I've been raised to this new life, this new life uh, with God where I haven't got all that stuff hanging over me. Um, You see, Galatians 2.20 says that I, everyone say I, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. What would that look like if that was a reality in your life? If it wasn't some far off distant dream, but if it really was something that we could live in the here and now let go of the old you so that you can be free to be the new you you see guys jesus has done it all for us you know imagine here guys imagine if i walked in here and and i carried like a dead corpse behind me maybe it was in a black bag and i was carrying it around with me and you know and and i carried it around with me what what would it smell like and, and then imagine, you know, if at tea and coffee, you know, you're having tea and coffee and I dragging this dead body around. And I just go up to you and I'm like, you know, oh, hey, hey, Lewis, how you doing? You know, <laughs> what would you what would you say to me? You'd be like, Kev, you're crazy. Why are you carrying this dead, stinking, rotten body around with you? Um, but, you know, that that's exactly what it's like if, you know, if if we think. That, that we're this old person it's like we're carrying around someone who is dead um, because that's what happened when we gave our lives to Jesus some of some of us need to bury the old me the old I you see that's why baptism is so important um, have a look at Romans 6 with me again Romans 6 in verse 4 It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Um, what's, what does that sound like? We were buried with him. It sounds like a funeral to me. Um, you, know, you know what the point of a funeral is? What do you think the point of a funeral is? Anyone? Anyone? To say goodbye. It's to say goodbye, you know, say if a loved one passes away or, you know, you go to a funeral, it's to say goodbye to them. Um, Do you know baptism, when we get baptised in water, it's a funeral to our old selves. So that we know for sure that, hey, I've had a funeral and I can let go of my old life now because it's at the bottom of the baptism pool. Um, You know, it's uh, getting baptised in water is like saying goodbye to your old life. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe there's different things that you struggle with. But, but, but if you're still struggling with an old way of life, with, with an old attitude, maybe, maybe you struggle to be generous. Maybe, maybe it might be negativity or cynicism. Maybe it's grumpiness or, or, or pride or selfishness or, or, or whatever it is. Um, you know, we've had a funeral. It's when we got baptised in water and so every time that something comes up, we can say, no, that belongs to a dead person. I'm a brand new person because I'm letting go of my old life. And, and when I gave my life to Jesus, when I got baptized in water, I let go of my old life. Is anyone here, mar- anyone here married? I think I asked that before, didn't I? Um, but you know, we always counsel people who are preparing to get married that in order to cleave, you have to leave you know that's biblical we see it in Genesis two twenty four. um it says that's why a man leaves everyone say leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh you know you want a new life with God then it's so important we leave the old behind um In Ephesians 5, it talks about this. It talks about, you know, us cleaving to Jesus. If we want to cleave to Jesus, if we want more of Jesus, if we want to step into the new life that Jesus has for us, we have to be prepared to let go of that which is now dead, our old person. Um, Have a look with me at uh, Matthew 16, verse 24. Matthew 16, verse 24. It says this. <clears throat> Have we got a picture of some, uh, some car keys? Um, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Do you understand Jesus has given us a secret here? He's saying, do you want resurrection life? Do you want a life free from all that hinders you? Do you want a life of just being free to pursue me? Do you want a life of miracles and hearing my voice and knowing my provision and being used for me in great and mighty ways? Do you want the life that I've offered you? Well, then lose your old life and you can, you can step into this new life. The message puts it like this. It says, you're not in the driver's seat, says Jesus. I am. Um, you're not in the driver's seat. I am. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this really, really challenging. Um, whenever I'm in a car, I like to be in the driver's seat. If I'm ever a passenger in a car, I find it really, really difficult. I'm probably like the worst passenger seat driver in the world. Um, but, you know, Jesus understands this. Jesus understands this. But he says, actually, you know, if you want this new life that I've got for you, then, then move over. <laughs> move over, you know, that, that I want to be the driver of your life. I want to be the driver of your life now. But in order for that to happen, there has to be a letting go. There has to be a letting go. Jesus, not my way, but your way. I'm prepared, God, to let go of the reins of my life. Um, Turning to me to, to Luke, just one last scripture. Luke 15, uh, verse 17. It's the parable of um, the, the prodigal son. And we can all relate to this um, in various ways. But basically the story is, is that um, a father's got two sons. And, and one of the sons says to the father, give me, your, give me my inheritance. And he takes his inheritance and he, and he goes off and he says, I want to do whatever I want to do. You know, I want to live my life my way. I want to be in charge um, of my life. I don't want you, Father. I don't want you, God, telling me what to do. Um, I want to be in charge of my life. And, and he goes off and, and he lives a life uh, in wild living and, and doing whatever he wants to do. And it's probably all really exciting to begin with. But then he comes to a conclusion, he realises actually this whole living for myself thing is not all it's made out to be. Um, and he ends up destitute and he ends up, you know, with pigs, eating what the pigs are eating and, and sleeping where the pigs are eating. And it says here in, in verse seventeen. Um now just before I read this, I wonder what was going on in his father's mind. You know? What what was going on in his father's mind? Why did his father not just like get in his car and just run after him um, you know, and and and, and rescue him? What was going on? And maybe maybe he didn't care. Well I think the father did care. I think the father every day was, you know, going to the end of his garden, just looking out. Is my son coming home today? Is my daughter coming home today? No, no sign today. And he was just longing with all of his heart for his child to come back home. But I think he was waiting for this point. It says here, Luke 15, verse 17, when he came to his senses. The son said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Um, and we read the, story, the The rest of the story as he comes back to his father. He says, when he came to his senses, when he came to a point where he was prepared to let go of his old way of life, When he was prepared to leave behind the way of life where he was the boss, where he was in charge, where he was in control. And when he came to that point, when he came to his senses, the day that his father had been praying about for days and weeks and months, the day, you know, that day came, he said, I'm prepared to let go of my old life. And and when he came to that point, he came back to his father and his father just put his robe over him put a signet ring on his finger and said wow come back to the come back to the palace my son come back to the palace my daughter and just think that in that day on that day that son's life changed forever in exactly the same way that our life can change forever when we come to a point that we say Jesus I'm giving you the keys to my car I've come to my senses and the father says to us welcome home welcome back to the palace my son and my daughter will you come to the keeper of baggage this afternoon you know you don't need to sort yourself out before you come to him you can come with all of your stuff all of your stuff that is overwhelming you all of that stuff that is getting in the middle of of you and God you can come with all that stuff and you say god I'm prepared to let it go. And and, and I come before you this afternoon. Will you respond to his invitation to let go of baggage? Amen.